So, how many here have picked up a copy of the file today? I hope you're enjoying it. And thanks for joining us, for hearing a little bit about the future and our design thoughts. Uh, two things before we start. We've got a lot to tell you, and we've got a strict time limit, so I'm going to ask you to hold your questions until the end. If we have time, we'll get them. If not, we'll tell you where to find us. All right, who are you talking to today? I'm Jason Carl. I'm the producer of Vampire and the Masquerade Fifth Edition at White Wolf, also the exec VP of Community. And I will quickly introduce the team, and then we will get started. Lead storyteller Martin Erickson. Business developer Don I. Devere, editor in chief and V5 developer Karim Muammar. Muammar. Muammar, excuse me. I do that every time. Johanna Peterson, who is one of our lead uh, writers and designers of V5. Matthew Dawkins, the gentleman gamer, writer and designer on V5. Kenneth Height, lead designer and developer on V5. Thomas Arfrance, graphic designer and artist on V5. And in the audience, we have Paul Bergström, the uh, rules designer, and Freja Gilmanström, uh, who is doing editing and developing the camera. So, Donna, can you tell us a little bit about what White Wolf is today? Yeah, so first of all, um, for those of you that don't know um, how, are you, how we are projecting now World of Darkness, we're treating it as a transmedia brand. And what does transmedia actually mean? That means multiple interconnected products. That means that we're going to have books that are going to be connected to TV series, that are going to be connected to video games, that are going to be connected to events. And this connection means influence. So let's say that we have, I don't know, a video game set in Indianapolis here, right? So uh, let's say that <laughs> let's say that in that video game a certain character is killed. So then we organize an official event, an official LARP that said also in Indianapolis, this character is dead. If we write novels about Indianapolis, that character will be dead. And that that way it will live, it will be evolved. Um, it's a living world. It's an evolving metaplot, so this is not a set metaplot, like V5 sets the metaplot, but there will be more books and the metaplot will, will progress with all those products that are interconnected in this transmedia way. Um, V5 is the starting point of all of this, that's why even though we're a licensing company, we chose to develop it ourselves in-house, because it's the pillar product from which all the rest of the products will stem. So this is the first thing, but the next step, the next big project, of course, is going to be Werewolf 5. Yes. We're not stopping with Bamba, we're going and going. So, okay, so now that V5 is out, let's recap on, on some things, some things that we've already mentioned, and it's good to, you know, to remind people, for example, about the timing, right? So, um, the books have already been shipped to the retailers, so they're on their way to the retailer shops, and they will reach the stores uh, in mid-August, end of August, depending on where you're based. They have also been shipped to the, to the pre-order customers, so they will reach you again around mid 
August, end of August, depending on where you're based. Like for example, if you are based in Australia, it might not be August, you know, <laughs> the closer you are that's, uh, to um, the States and to, to Europe, the, the sooner that you will get it. The PDF is already available to buy on World of Darkness. Uh, those of you that have pre-ordered uh, the V5 uh, have already gotten your codes and you have your probably your PDFs already, maybe you've been already reading the book on your on your PDF if you haven't you know bought physically the book here. And um, the physical books and other products um, are still available online on the ludicus.com uh, website. Like the pre-order closed, but then the regular sales started. And the storyteller screen, dice screen, uh, the dice and the um, V5 notebook, all the orders that have these products uh, will be uh, shipped in September. And the orders that include the V5 Camarilla, the V5 Honor, they will be shipped in, in November. Uh, this includes the, the bundle with the sleep case, for example. Uh, so this is all about timing, but if you have any more questions, you can ask it in more specific things. Then um, we will have licenses such as Onyx Pack that will be developing more books for, for V5. Like we've developed like the three super core that are being released this year, but we have already announced V5 Chicago by Night developed by, by the Onyx Path, and this will not be the only book, and it will not be the only partner that will be developing books for V5. Um, we are of the opinion that people should write about what they know, and maybe, you know, other geographic areas, or they will be covered by other partners. And V5, as I said before, is available um, on worldofdarks.com. It's will also be available in retail very, very soon. And this will happen until November, but from then onwards, it will be more broadly available, like DriveRPG and Amazon and other, you know, other avenues. So we want to make it as available as possible. And also, uh, I'm sure there are some people here, because I've encountered you before, that are your mother tongue is not English. So we have also localization coming. Um, they like to French, Italian, Russian, Korean, um, Spanish, German, right? So lots of languages and more coming. And the first announcements of these partnerships will be happening in August. And the first uh, localization versions will come in the winter. So to this one. Um, and just to reiterate this, everyone that uh, bought their their pre-order and should have access by now already to their to their PDF on worldofdance.com. It's a it's a complimentary PDF. When you get your actual your physical books, you will get another code for another PDF that you can give away to a friend or yeah. or an enemy. Or an enemy. <laughs> if you if you want to take their spare time forever, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
driven by trying to hold on to their humanity. So uh, these parts were essential to get right. And the core experience of being a vampire, I think, when you look at the history of literature and at the, uh, all of the earlier editions, is one of tension. Tension between hero and villain, tension between human and beast, between present and past, between privileged and dispossessed, the real world and the world of monsters. But most of all, it's between hunter and hunted. And in some of the best vampire stories, the vampire is both hunted and hunter. And therefore we chose as the big change in D5 is the fraying of the masquerade where intelligence communities of the world using big data and in, in the pursuit of the war on terror find out about vampires. So covert groups within our governments now know and are waging a second inquisition against the kindred. This is the Camarilla that are overreached trying to push our power structures to serve their purposes, to annihilate the Sabbat at the end of the war for the, uh, for the East Coast. That they said uh, that's the big theme of the clan models. In response to this, the Sabbat declared the Gehenna Crusade, and that Gehenna is here, the end of times has come. And this leads to a complex and high stakes situation where the, uh, uh, the Camarilla are forced or choose to do what they did uh, back in the first Inquisition, which is to throw their young under the bus in front of the Inquisition. And in response to that, the Anarchs rise up and say no more and leave the Camarilla. So there is now an absolute split between the Camarilla and the Anarchs. The haves and the have-nots are battling it out in the streets. The Camarilla is a secret society where you swear oaths of blood to belong and everybody else belongs on the outside. So that's our setup. The stakes are raised. The, uh, it's a new night. The opportunities for new coteries are amazing, especially since elders are being beckoned away into the places where the Garden of Eden once stood in the Middle East by a powerful beckoning. So to rise up in the ranks now is possible. The diamond ceiling is temporarily gone. The Sabbat is off the stage. They will return though. <laughs> but yes, we try to create a situation that is very, very enabling for new player groups to have an impact on the world of darkness and change the story a lot. So uh, that's super quickly going through the basic vision for the story uh, and the story itself. So thank you for that. And we hope that you will make these stories yours and grab onto the, uh, the vampire with the question, what if the vampires of Vampire the Masquerade were actually real in our world right here, right now? The cover looked like a rock album. The inside art was uh, very detailed and showed ordinary people. It's you know it's Timothy Bradstreet's crunch rock friends from San Francisco. That is. 
And that realness and that attention to detail was unique. So we set out to do something that looks as different from standard role-playing game products today as it did then. And that's a really high bar because, you know, today role-playing games are full color, beautiful concept art and so on. So the only thing that we could do was to go to the real world of, of, like, of photography, dark fashion design. So we hired Mary Twisted Lamb Lee uh, to lead a series of very high-end photo shoots that try to capture the spirit of each and every one of the clients. The reason also for doing with photography is to make sure that the base vision of vampires here and now in our world is as clear as possible. But there's another reason for it, and that is also that fan-made content is easier if you give photography as an example. Everybody can, uh, can shoot with their phones, everybody can photograph, everybody can contribute to an aesthetic that is, uh, is photographed. So the reason is also for participation and to make transmedia products more easy. So I hope that we achieved a little bit of the goal that we set out to do, which was to make something that maybe looks more like Vampire Vogue than <laughs> a Pathfinder product. So it's been a really, really tough fight to get this done, from the very first sketches and pitches from Mary Lee to Jason's massive work of getting the photoshoots done, mostly in LA, and just sort of pushing it by saying, like, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to do something that looks really, really different. And I hope that you like the aesthetics, and you hope that you believe, as we do, that it stays true to the heart of Vampire the Masquerade and is a continuing step in the early so uh, thanks for all the support we're getting and all the lovely comments from the audience. Things like different kinds of blood that you drink, the way that hunger influences you, different 
way that humanity is lost, possibly even regained. Um, it allowed us to take things that were previously talked a lot about in the game, such as hunger, humanity, and even the themes and moods of different stories, and give them a place in the rules. Because as we soon find out when we talk to fans, if it isn't in the rule, it doesn't exist. One of the first comments we had on hunger was, well, we always thought vampire was supposed to be about hunger, but since there were no rules for it, it kind of just fell away. And now we have a hunger system that does what it's supposed to do. We have a humanity system that is actually about connecting to humans, and we have a system of chronic tenants that allows you to, in your game, by choosing the different chronicle tenants that enforce the humanity, illustrate the themes and moods that you are going for in your story. Another good thing about doing it this way is that by keeping a lot of the, what do you call the, the uh, outermost layers of the rules, the dots, the, the, the character sheet, we uh, create a game that's about 90% similar in on the surface to the, the previous editions, giving us uh, pretty good backwards compatibility. Looking at the old books, looking at the old stats, you'll find that it take a couple of minutes to convert a character from the old system to the new one, or vice versa. If you prefer the old system but like the new metaphor, you can do that as well. Uh, and that was a very welcome side effect of, of this work. This spring has been, uh, a lot of our time, a lot of mine and Carl's time has been taken up this spring of uh, just playtesting and, you know, refining a lot of the rules and systems that I need that come from Kian. Uh, and I hope that, you know, in the end, that we come up with something that will withstand the true test of a real chronicle, because that's the hardest thing to test. It's unique for every player group and every player style. So uh, you are the final, you are customers of our final playtest. Please let us know how things go, talk to us, communicate, and uh, let, us, let us see how our baby now that we'll release it out in the wild. Let us know if you're having fun, let us know if you're something that doesn't work, it's something, if you just have questions. Um, Ken, do you have anything to add to this? You've been, you know, equal part of the system society? Um, I mean, first of all, uh, what Kareem says is true. Uh, they brought me on after Hunger had uh, been developed, uh, Kareem had developed Hunger. And uh, when I came on, uh, I came from a place where I designed uh, Trail of Cthulhu, which is about uh, adapting Call of Cthulhu to the gumshoe system, and I'm a huge admirer of the sanity death spiral in Call of Cthulhu, the way that that forces story. They like to say, what is, if vampire is about hunger, Cthulhu is about insanity. And the way that Sa Sandy's mechanism just drove every aspect of story, and I said, well, if they're going to hire me to write vampire, well, I'm going to have to develop a hell of a good death spiral and first day on the job, Kareem says, we have the hunger dice, what do you think? And I'm like, well, that problem solved. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Kareem and I, I guess, just sort of uh, fell into a sink and we challenged each other on the humanity element and we sort of went back and forth on that and how do we want to represent that and how does that play out? And I, I think we each designed a system that basically drove every vampire to suicide within about, you know, a year of play, and we said, it's working as intended. <laughs> so said, maybe just pull that screw back a little bit. But a game that still makes humanity a real choice and makes it a real element of the game. And that, to me, is the important part of vampire, because 
you are playing, uh, I, and I hope I'm not revealing any secrets, a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that uh, ability to know where both the line of your character are crossed, and maybe your line as a player, where you're crossing that, and you're saying, oh, I don't like that I did that. That ability is present in Vampire in a way, and in a way that is not uh, exclusive to uh, the good old Ten Commandments, the way that it used to be, uh, and I think it may be simultaneously more morally rigorous, but without being as confining, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it's not a single definition, but you set rules, and then you just watch your characters step over that ledge time and time again. That humanity aspect of it is sort of the, the, the bank off which the hunger billiard ball keeps bouncing. And then a lot of the rest of it was, as, as Brim said, things that were in the game always, let's give rules for them. Let's give rules for a press station. Let's give rules for conspiring to take over someone else's um, uh, uh, bank or whatever. Let's give rules for that. And then the other thing that I, as a, as a guy who is not necessarily, I'm certainly not Kareem or, or Matthew level, uh, give people a little doorway into the lore, and that's where war sheets come from, yeah. is you pick what you think is really cool about the lore, and you say, I buy a, a dot or two dots or four dots or whatever in a lore sheet, and that sends a signal to your storyteller, this story has already hooked them. I, I don't have to guess. I can figure out a story that will really be true to every individual player of my chronicle if that's the thing that they want to pick. And that lets you take what is, and I, and I speak as a game designer whose job this is, a 30-year backstory that is a little bit intimidating, <laughs> and it lets you sort of say, all right, let's focus on what we're doing today at the table we don't have to get a graduate degree in vampire history. We can actually just do what we want to do at the table, make that the important part. The rest of the world happens outside, but right now we're doing this with this part of this incredibly rich, incredibly full tapestry. And you know, once you've got a doorway in for new players, a death spiral that will kill you, and a humanity that will just drive you um, uh, into paroxysms, of uh, regret and tragedy, I think you guys got a vampire game. <laughs> Can I add one thing? Messy criticals. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. one of the yeah. oh, best editions. Yeah. This fun. game because it's like, it is glorious to get a crit, and it's quite glorious to have a mess to clean up. That was the final yeah. piece of the Hyrule puzzle, the complete of that yes. whole thing. So, uh, should we give me a pause for those? And then that was my desire to make a vampire game in which playing a vampire, you, you have the other half of that, that's sort of the temptation and the power of, oh wow, if I'm really good, if I'm Batman, I have a really good chance of just destroying everything in my path. Now the downside is, I also have a really good chance of letting the beast destroy everything in my path, but also in my path is another vampire, and maybe he's Batman. And now we've got a gunfight. <laughs> that's less... That, that, that makes me cautious. That's hunter and hunted, as you say. So that, the, to add criticals and then add messy criticals, yeah. I think it makes play better and stronger. So you may at the table say, man, my vampires are much uh, more scary and dangerous than they used to be in the old system. That's a design goal, it's supposed to be. But remember, your foes are not necessarily the humans. They may be other vampires who are also scarier and dangerous than they were last time, so. Thank you very much. Art rules as to a
total experience. And to talk to you about the B5 experience, we're going to ask Shukana, who uh, has spent the better part of his life exploring story experiences in one form or another, tabletop, live action, and some things I don't even want to know about. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my role in uh, V5 was to work as the lead writer on the Anarch book, but then I've written like a little bit, like 10% of, of this thing. But one, of, one piece of that 10% is related to what, I'm, what, I do, what I want to talk about now. Because uh, when we think about game design, uh, quite often it, it's about what was just discussed, like systems design. But uh, I personally, my, my sort of design career has been in tabletop role-playing games, but also in LARP. Uh, and that experience has left me with the idea that, uh, that these that the, that the design work that we do is even more in one fundamental way is experience design. But we design experiences with different tools. Not that those tools are game mechanics. But they can be also something else. And uh, right now, when we are thinking about B5, which is a horror role-playing game about horrible things. Like I said, revealed, the characters are monsters. But also, not only the characters, but there are a lot of bad things in, in the world of this game. So how do, we, how, do, how do we create these experiences around those themes in a way that works, and in a way that's powerful, and in a way that uh, uh, works for all of the participants? Uh, what I'm sort of moving towards here is, is a discussion that we often call the safety discussion. But I personally have found in, in kind of practical experience with LARP that that uh, way of defining it is a little bit limiting. Because I think it's a, it's a bigger thing. To me, it's fundamentally uh, a design design discussion. Basically, like I've run a lot of tabletop role games, vampire campaigns, other campaigns, LARPs, like a ton of stuff. And the lesson of all that for me has been that when the players feel respected, when the players are listened to, when the players feel good in the group that they are playing in. That is when you can go really deep into the darkness. I mean, that's how that works. So the question is uh, how, to, how to design your uh, gaming experience to serve that goal. And uh, part of that is in the book. There's more of that in the media version of the book. But it's not only about this. I think this is an ongoing discussion we have uh, as, as, as a role-playing community, large communities everywhere, like this is having a moment right now, and, uh, and we are part of that in what we do. Uh, the way I kind of uh, would like to sort of put that into a soundbite is that, uh, well, let's say that uh, in-game, in the world of darkness, what are we doing? We are playing these characters who are these parasitical maggots feeding on the festering corpse of human society. That's what we're doing in-game in the world of darkness. But off-game, in our communities, in our playing groups, what I would really like to have instead is a world of kindness. <laughs> As players, when we look at each other around the table, I would like us to take care of each other. And this, to me, is why it goes beyond the question of safety. It's not just about safety. It's about uh, a lot more things about building that trust that enables you to go really deep into these themes that these games are about. 
and that's, uh, that's the thing that makes it work. And for me, the table of Rorschach game is, is a unique example of how to make this work. Because let's say that you have the storyteller and four players. I think that all of those people, all of those five people, they're responsible in terms of the content of the game, what they are doing, what kind of themes are being, themes are being explored. They are responsible to each other, those five people. Those five people are the people who need to have a good experience. It's not about uh, who's on the internet, it's not about who's on the other side of the world complaining about stuff. It's about those people who are in the room who are having that experience. And if those people are feeling good, if those people are feeling respected, then uh, those people can go really deep into it. And that to me is, uh, is good design of a whole game. Super 
British brain accent that everything's better. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> you should talk about it in Chicago, because I just messed with Yes, so I'm developing Chicago by Night for Arlington Park and White Wolf. And uh, Chicago is obviously, it's the iconic city of Vampire Masquerade. I think everyone has played at least one game set in Chicago or its neighbor Gary, or <laughs> most people came into an early stage, maybe even Milwaukee. But Chicago has always been at the heart of Vampire. And part of the reason for that is because it's an incredibly diverse city, it's got hundreds of years of, of stories, it's had great fires, it's had corruption for, well, for as long as it's been around, and even tonight. But <laughs> Chicago is so important for Vampire. And so that's why it was so important, that was one of the first source books that we created. And I've been very keen to create a diverse team to create this book because uh, I'll, I'll address something quite clear. Uh, there's a hell of a lot of white people in this room. <laughs> and uh, that's fine. That's fine. A hell of a lot of role players are. But we want to create something that's aspirational. We want people of all kinds of backgrounds to want to play our games. And so we've got a team that's made up of people of colour. It's made up of women. It's made up of... We've got characters that represent the whole spectrum of the kind of people that are in Chicago. Because Chicago, and it's a city I absolutely adore, is incredibly diverse. One of our writers, uh, Jibo Mole Anderson, is a comic book artist and comic book writer. He's also a lift driver in Chicago. <laughs> and it sounds maybe incongruous, but the kind of stories he has that he can bring to a book like Chicago just by being a lift driver, it, you can imagine the kind of people he meets late at night, late at drives. And we've got such brilliant stories to tell. One of the very important things that we are delivering in Chicago, of course, that will be important to a lot of you, is Clan La Sombra. Clan La Sombra art in the court. As some of you may have noticed, we wanted to really focus on the core clans that were available in the first edition and the struggle of the clanless and the thin buttons, because they were very present at the end of V20 and revised. The La Sombra are being introduced in Chicago by night. And I've already had several questions. Why, why are they being introduced there? Why are they not being introduced in the Savannah? And to some degree, we can blame Ken for that. <laughs> because early on in the uh, development process, we were discussing Clan Sombra. And we wanted to do something interesting with them that was tied into the Gehenna Crusade. And I don't mind if you've not heard this already, I don't mind announcing it now. There have been some splits down the middle of Clan Sombra. Maybe even not evenly down. We have seen, or the La Sombra have seen something, they've experienced something on their Gehenna Crusade that's made them realize that Sabbat isn't that fun anymore. Of course, they'll, they'll go to the Camarilla and they'll say, you know, the reason we never bought into your masquerade was because you denied the existence of Antipodians, and now you're acknowledging we have no issue with you. So we can go in with a head held tight, if Andrew will still expect them to kneel. Whether La Sombra do that or not, we'll have to see. But the point is, where that goes, we'll have to see with subsequent releases. But it means we'll get to transpose some of that ecclesiastical horror that exists in Sabbat of old into the Camarilla. Something Kareem and I have been discussing relatively recently, the Camarilla has always lacked. And it's a shame because the church, the hierarchy, can be horrific. We know this. 
but now you can have that in your Camarillo domains. And with a sombre controlling faith, while the Venture control the economy, for instance, if you want to go down your stereotype. And I can imagine that will lead to some very interesting chronicles where we have those two former high clans jockeying for position, especially with the Tremere having fallen quite badly. So, <laughs> recently. But yes, uh, very excited about Chicago, and I do hope you'll all be on board for that. We will be kickstarting it on its path within the next couple of months. With any luck, the whole text will be available to read at that point. So thank you. So yeah, now board games, right? So we have partnered with Nice Game Publishing uh, to release a board game called Heritage, Vampire Heritage, which is a game for two to four, well, it's a legacy style, um, a game for two to four players that each session plays 20 to 40 minutes and I'm saying each session because it spans for over 600 years it's like grand strategy and like you create your your own culture your, your own culture your own bloodline more like it and um, and you progress through centuries and it's it's very it's very interesting like this grand strategy thing, see how you start at the beginning from Dark Ages and move to Masquerade. And we've played it, it's super entertaining, really, it's super, it's great. And it's coming, actually, the demo is going to be um, in Spiel this year in Germany, in Essen. Uh, the crowdfunding campaign will be happening already next year, like early 2019. And then it will be released already in 2019, also by Spiel by in, in Essen. And you have more information, I mean, you've probably already seen the leaflets that are in our booth. Uh, there's a URL on the back, it's vtm-heritage.com, um, and you go there and you'll see even more information, and you will see the art and everything. And that's um, a really cool game that we've played and enjoyed a lot already. So, and you can subscribe on the website for updates. I mean, if you want to know even more what's going on, how the development is going, you can subscribe. And then, for something very new for World of Darkness, right? We have partnered with um, Belladonna Scaffold. Um, over there, right there, here, actually. Yeah, that's Rachel. because we always knew that World of Darkness had more potential than it had been, you know, exploited in the past, like it can go many different ways, and one of those can be makeup. So we are going to be releasing um, a 30 shadow palette with three different layers, and each layer is going to be, one is Camarilla, another is Sabbat, another is Honor, and different favorites for your different, you know, how you fancy that day, and we're going to accompany that with uh, seven lipsticks, uh, each for every clan, and I'm very excited about, about that. Uh, the pre-orders for this collection will begin online uh, tomorrow already, August the 4th, and we will release more information tomorrow as well. 
and uh, and October uh, is the, the shipping time. Shipping will begin in October. Super different. I mean. <laughs> we will be expanding, you know. This, this, is, this is just the beginning.
worldofdarkness.com is the new community hub that's been in development for a little over a year. We're going to see some uh, new features coming to it very, very soon as it grows and expands to support the community. This map represents um, where LARP games are happening around the world as of about 9 o'clock this morning. So wow. each one so of those this is real, like this is not a simulation. No, this is real time. Each onk is a separate LARP, uh, LARP game happening around the world somewhere this weekend. Um, these are all people that you haven't even met yet. I mean, they don't even know that you're friends. But Matthew and I have a task in front of us to make sure that you all get a chance to meet each other, get to know each other, and play World of Darkness games together. Our LARP program is expanding to include several new blockbuster event LARPs, uh, one of which is uh, The Night in Question, which is a Vampire Masquerade blockbuster Sabat LARP in Austin, Texas, November 17th, from our choir uh, at Jack Lope. Matthew Webb here. Matthew manages Jack Lope, and you can find lots of information about this uh, about this event. I hear there will be blood. I hear that. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> 55, 60 gallons. Okay. So a small amount of blood. Uh, at the White Wolf booth, you can find flyers and more information. Stop by all weekend to talk to Matthew and his Jack Lope team. Today, we also announced Changeling Waking Dreams, which is Official Changeling Dreaming Blockbuster Event and Festival in Atlantic City next year. Uh, brought to you by Imagination, which is uh, one of our new partners and licensees. And this is going to be uh, a massive, many hundred player event, uh, the first Changeling Blockbuster event uh, that the world has ever seen. How many of you like streaming? How many of you watch role-playing games Woo! online and streaming? Woo! Yeah. So I can't tell you the number of times in the last year or so when people have said to us, you know, there should be some vampire streaming. I don't know, does anybody here want to see vampire streaming? There's nobody. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so we're not going to do this. We're just canceling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You win, you win. We're going to do it. I told it was a bad idea. <laughs> Um, I'm delighted to tell you something that if you were at the Geek and Sundry panel today, you might have had a hint about. And that is that Geek and Sundry on Twitch TV and White Wolf are partnering to bring you Los Angeles by night, the very first Vampire the Masquerade official streaming chronicle. Coming very, very soon to your Twitch TV. Thank you very much.